Hey guys, welcome to Between the Pints, your source for the business side of craft beer. I'm your host, Aaron Gore, a.k.a. the No Horn Unicorn, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Ryan Moses, the beer counselor. How you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing pretty well. Had a good weekend. I went to State of Origin up in Morganton, the best beer festival in North Carolina every year, hands down. That's a, that's a big statement. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong, but there's a whole lot of good ones in this well, state. Well, everybody who comes brings... Just really, really good stuff. Like Arizona Wilderness, a new brewery out of Colorado, Casey. They brought stuff. It's so good. True from Denver. Uh, Black Project from Denver. Uh, I feel like that's Full kind Steam. of a sign of a truly yeah. great beer festival. <laughs> when you got breweries that aren't even distributed in your area, and not only yeah. do they come, they bring the best of the best because yeah. even being on the card is a it, it's a huge sign for you. You yeah. know, it really does mean that you've kind of made it as a brewery. Yeah, Allagash was there, and some. <laughs> I was telling Leah because when we were walking around, just trying trying to find all the breweries before we really started, <coughs> just walking around. And then I was like, I know Allagash is here because I saw my rep, um, Andrew, and I'm just like walking around. I was like, shout out to Andrew, yeah. <laughs> like where is this? And, oh, he's over there by the porta potties. Okay, they put Allagash <laughs> by the porta potties. Uh, maybe not a good shout out to Andrew. <laughs> yeah. yet, so. And he was not happy at all. I can't imagine because I mean Allagash is not only like a, a well noted brewery, but they're they're one of those kind of OG breweries that's yeah. still doing it every bit as good as they, yeah, they have. Are. I mean, you see a beer that has Allagash on the label, chances are really damn good. It's going to be top notch. Yeah. So yeah, and like the beers he was pouring were good, but it's like you're way over here by the porta potties. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I yes, am. Yes, indeed, <laughs> I am. <laughs> but yeah, like it's a really. Uh, if you're in Charlotte, it's a nice, easy hour, twenty hour, fifteen minute drive, depending on how fast you drive to Morganton. And yeah, it's become a nice yeah. little beer town. Yeah. I mean, they got a couple of breweries there that are homegrown, including Fontaflora, which yeah. is absolutely fantastic. Who's the sponsor? Who's the one who does the puts the festival on every year? And it's a real easy drive going either way. You can either get yeah. up to more of the Hickory breweries or you can head yeah. you know, west and get out to the ones out in Asheville. So definitely yeah. no-lose yeah. situation if you're heading out that way. And it's beautiful out there. It's a cute little town. Yeah, it's a nice little in the up the court square where they have the festivals, a nice little court square. And there's a statue of Sam Irvin right there. And I took a picture beside. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and, yeah, it's got Brown Mountain Bottle Works is Right across the street from which the, is one of the top bottle shops in the yeah, state. I love that place. place. Yeah, yeah, the Suttles are doing some really good work <laughs> up there. Yeah, that's a really good place to go. But find like really cool, good beer. And I was trying to think who else was there. Zebulon Ales was there. Newgrass, uh, Wooden Robot, all, all the big names yeah. and sours and high end yeah. IPAs. Lenny Boy was there. Yeah, yeah. saw Towns with his hat. <laughs> I'm not sure that there is a head beneath that hat. The man is always wearing it. That, that's actually kind of the Lenny Boy special. They yeah. pretty much all it's it's that trucker cap all day every day. Oh, wasn't the trucker cap? It was the like farmer big brim straw hat that he was wearing this time. Listen, if you're gonna do it, do it do it right. That's I'm not gonna hate on that. If you got the confidence and you got the stones to go ahead and wear a hat like that, wear it. Yeah. And Har River was a uh, basically it's like. Yeah, this is like the a lineup of list. all my yeah. favorite North Carolina breweries. I can tell you hated it. <laughs> yeah. uh, did you camp up there? Uh, we actually got a hotel room. You classy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> we apparently got one of the last hotel rooms in Morganton. That's because there's I like one it. hotel in Morganton. <laughs> there's like, what is it? There's the sleep in, the quality in, the days in, and there's a bed <laughs> and breakfast. That's pretty much it. And after that, there's like three people who run mayor B&Bs, and good luck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, my weekend was quiet. I uh, worked, and I had big plans throughout most of it, and none of them materialized. I did finally get to see Solo, which was nice. Uh, was it? How did you like it? Uh, you know, without spoiling anything, I thought it was a pretty good take on a movie that didn't need to be made. Yes. That's kind of that's kind of what I've been feeling about it. It's why I haven't seen it. It's yeah. like, I don't need to see this and, and you know what after seeing it i felt exactly the same way i was like they did a pretty good job there's no reason for this movie to exist actually that's not true there's exactly one movie uh, reason for this movie to exist so the guy who they got to play uh han solo uh, alden ironreich or something, yeah, like, something that. like that yeah he, he actually did way better than i thought he was going to i yeah. uh, was pretty admirable in it but dude donald glover yeah that's yeah was <laughs> billy d williams like he channeled he, even the mannerisms the style of speaking the tone of voice it was absolutely incredible to watch uh it's, it's weird to be able to look at like something like star wars and be like that's been maybe the 
biggest test of his acting chops so far, but to see him yeah. really just channel that character from an entirely different era, one that's so iconic was, you know, that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah, I've been we've been debating whether we want to see it, and he's actually the only reason we really want to see it because, like you said, it doesn't seem like a movie that really well. I know why the movie was made. Yeah, money, dear yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah, it was they try to make one movie, release one movie in between the Star Wars movies every year, and this was Which the movie they picked. Rogue One turned out incredible. That was a great. Movie. I yeah. loved Rogue One. Yeah, but this one's apparently like every. This was one of those. Hey. All the fans want a Han Solo movie. Let's do a Han Solo movie. Did they, though? Given I think the all fact the fans the, wanted a Han Solo and Boba Fett. Given the fact Le- that the ticket Leanne, sales yeah. have been a bit, like, way lower than they thought it was going to be. Like, it, it's been yeah. basically a bust. Uh, well, yeah. it, it, I, I don't know if everybody was clamoring for it. I think a lot yeah. of people were cautious at best. Well, I think a lot of fanboys said they wanted it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. and, and you, you, there's a whole lot of things that people say they want. <laughs> The actually yes. wanting it is an yeah. entirely different issue. The idea of it supersede whether you really me. need it. You're yeah. in love with the idea of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, today, guys, we're going to be going over some brew news. Uh, you know, uh, covering a little bit of what's going on in the industry, particularly on the business side. And, you know, doing kind of a, uh, not a deep cut, but a moderate cut into what that means and our take on it. I just bring you guys up to speed. Ryan, what do you got for us today? Well, let's see. We'll start with a press release from the Brewers Association from May 30th, early 2018 beer style trends. And basically, it comes out. Tell me what's popular, Ryan. I only drink what's popular. Uh, hazy and juicy IPAs. Shock and shock everyone that's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hazy and juicy IPAs are the big news uh, right bro. now. Yeah. That uh, and apparently, like just the basic American IPA is still holding strong because it's the American IPA and the American Pale Ale are still holding strong because those are still just yeah the, good. At this point, can we just establish <laughs> that those are the beers of America? Like that—that yeah. that is our, you know, English mild. That is yeah. our, you know, Pilsner. That—that's the go-to standard beer yeah. for America, yeah. and that's perfectly fine. Yep. And then the other things are the lighter. Styles, Pilsner, Kolsch, Blondes. You sound so dismissive of fizzy yellow beer right well, now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, like, I love Blonde Ales and Kolsch's, so, yeah. But it's do just you kind love of like, them, or do you just love the idea <laughs> of them, Ryan? No, I actually love them, because <laughs> yeah, I'm getting old, and I don't like drinking double IPAs just to have dinner anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's not You're not going for that uh, bourbon barrel-aged imperial maple stout? When you're, you know, just oh, sitting down yeah. for a slice of pizza? Oh, no. That's, I, well, I have decided that if we do get the house that we're trying to buy, what we will, actually what we would drink will not be an American beer, will be Rodenbach Alexander. Dude, I am so, <laughs> so okay with that. That's, that has become my go-to, like, celebratory beer style is, yeah, there's nothing like sitting down with a Flanders Red yeah. and, and just... You know, sipping slow and t- treating it like a fine wine, except yep. it's not pretentious and stupid <laughs> like wine. Sorry, wine people. Not sorry, not sorry. Oh, but I will say the craft pilsner is down year to date as far as sales, which is that is incredibly yeah. surprising. Do you yeah, think it's because a lot more moving towards American style adjunct lagers, or do you, mm. do you, do you, what's your take on it? I think a lot of people are going towards blondes. And wits, at least from what I've seen in the bar, a lot of blondes and wits and gozes, especially right now. Which gozes are still hot in the summer. It's, yeah. it's, it's everybody's been talking about them getting kind of pushed out by the fizzy yellow beer. I don't think that's what it is at all. Yeah. Fizzy yellow beer was selling even during the winter time. I don't think yeah. it's a, a summertime trend. It's just a yeah, growing trend. Yeah. Whereas gozes, man, that is the beer style of the summer in America. Yeah. And even though I was, wish more people made good. Rattlers and shanties. TW I'm, Pitchers, dude. Yeah. It, TW that Pitchers. is so good. <laughs> yeah, it's the only all shandy, all rattler brewery I've seen other than Line and Kugel, and they are killing yeah. it. Unlike yeah. Line and Kugel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Line and Kugel came up, came up in the book as a. They were one of the first beer acquisitions. Yeah. yeah, I think they actually were. They were the first one that was back in what, it was like yeah. 1988 or something like that. It was really. 88 or 86, yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, but yeah, that's the big thing on styles is basically exactly what you thought. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So if you've been to a craft beer bar recently, <laughs> congratulations, you're up on the trends. The next article comes from the undefeated on ESPN. Three HBCU grads bring craft beer bar to Harlem. For those of you who do not know, an HBCU is an historically black college or university. <laughs> so these three HBCU grads, one went to Hampton, the other two went to Clark Atlanta, and they're starting, they're going to open a craft beer bar in Harlem. And they will be the first craft beer bar owned solely by African Americans in Harlem, which is pretty cool. And Especially actually, considering yeah. the historical demographic and then, yeah. uh, you know, part of New York. It, yeah. It's kind of surprising it took this long. Yeah. And don't, and I will say the, one of them actually is a craft beer person. <laughs> he works in the, he actually already worked as a consultant in the beer craft into, and the alcohol and beverage industry. Which the very fact that you even have to put like a disclaimer there is kind yeah. of hilarious considering the <laughs> fact that 99% of the people who start breweries have Zero, zero experience in the <laughs> brewing industry. They, we have a term for them, home brewers. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise known as, as bored people. <laughs> so, no, it, it's it's one of those things. The very fact that anybody who's in, involved in this brewery has industry experience means a lot for yeah. the chances of its long-term yes. success. And I hear there's a few people in New York, so they yeah. might have some residential support. Yeah, and this, I'm trying to figure out exactly where they are, but depending on where they are in Harlem, they'll probably be don't know if that's part of the the part of Harlem that's currently under gentrification, but I'm pretty sure it's close to some part of Harlem that is currently under gentrification. And if they're smart, they will be. You got to take yeah. the baby steps to make the big strides. Yeah. And and it's no matter what the intention is, if you plop it down in an area that doesn't have a whole lot of disposable income, craft beer needs disposable, disposable income. income yeah. The demographics far less important than the money involved. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because it's this craft. Newsflash, everyone. Craft beer is a luxury item. <laughs> you take that back. It's a necessity. I skipped breakfast this morning to have an Imperial Stout. Not going to those weak-ass Blondales like Ryan. <laughs> oh, I actually have, I actually have drank like an Imperial Stout for breakfast before. Dude, but. I have definitely done that. <laughs> breakfast beer is the best beer, dude. I, I've literally had breakfast beer, and that was the only beer I had all day before. And I was like, you know what? I stand by my decision. I regret nothing. <laughs> oh, and my next article is something that you actually saw that you had posted on Facebook late yesterday afternoon. Kind of ahead of the curve, you know. Deep Ellum sells to Canarchy after fallout with storied craft breweries. Well, yeah, Deep this Ellum, was a yeah. big goddamn yeah. story, too. Yeah, it's big in two ways. Deep Ellum is a brewery, is a brewery in, out of Austin, Texas, and they've been basically up for sale for about a year. And they had sold, they were going to sell themselves to uh, Story Craft Breweries. Yeah, yeah it was Which a is, uh, capital group. Yeah, capital, fairly young yeah. capital group. And but that fell through for reasons I haven't quite figured out. But I just think Story Craft Breweries well, didn't have enough money. Is well, what I think yeah, happened. we no, we uh, talked a little about that in the past uh, about the fact that the reason they wound up backing out was they saw some of the trends that were taking place in the industry uh, and they got yeah. a little skittish because they yeah. originally supposed to take over a controlling stake. They decided yeah. to take over just a uh, minority stake, yeah. which. I don't blame them. I yeah. think they made the right call. Uh, the idea of that rapid growth, and Deep Elm was already at 45,000 barrels a year. Yeah, they weren't going to go They weren't going to expand much yeah. more than that, but they wanted to spend all this capital on further growth. Yeah, and I think a $4 million the, expansion or something like that. Yeah, Storycraft Breweries was founded by people who have a background within the craft beer industry, people who are veterans of the industry. I think they saw kind of the writing on the wall and realized they'd be doing much better off with more of a, uh, a payoff equity stake than yeah. to actually take control of the damn thing. Uh, big problem was Deep Ellen started spending the money they didn't have. They started going <laughs> to get, yeah, they started going ahead and built, two, tried to build two more tap rooms before the deal was even actually inked. And that type of rashness will come up later as we talk about this story a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've, we've seen some similar happen. So, yeah, there's a yeah. little bit of poor decision making involved there. So, uh, yeah, so yeah. Canarchy is gonna bring in Deep Element to its fold. And if you do not know what Canarchy is, Canarchy is basically Oscar Blues and all of its mini Oscar holdings. Blues and Company. Yes, basically this is what it is now. It's Oscar Blues, Cigar City, Oscar Blues and Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd watch that uh, that cartoon. It's a bunch of little animated cans running around, going through life, discovering the power of friendship. <laughs> 
And the leader would be Mama's Little Yellow Pills. Because that's Mama. <laughs> that's Mama. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, dude, have you had that Mama's Little Yellow since they redid the formula? Yes. Holy shit, that beer got better. Yeah, That was a yeah, really did. good Pilsner now. But anyways, back to actual topical but Oscar, Oscar Blues is now, they're going to make uh, Deep Ellum part of their family. And the owner of Deep Ellum, John Reardon, he was talk- He kept talking and kept talking, apparently, <laughs> as he was doing and, his interview. And, and kept talking. <laughs> and he said something that just comes in as like this one little expositional sentence in the middle of the article that you don't really notice. He says, Reardon added that Karaki could consider future initial public offering. Which, boy, <laughs> there's a bomb to drop on an offhand <laughs> comment. Yeah, that's just like... And I like sent it to you, and I, and it's one of those things I think because it was such a throwaway line. I I missed yeah. it in the original article. You you eagleized over <laughs> here. You wound up catching it because like as soon as I saw it, I was like, huh? Kanaki's thinking about going public. That's ex- that's exactly what that means because he's not saying that out of just like I'm just thinking that maybe this is going to happen. I'm sure at some point in the negotiations, someone yeah, said he didn't something. state that as speculation. He stated that they were yeah. considering it, yeah. which means that talks are already happening. Now yeah. let's be clear here. <laughs> Reardon has been a part of this company for approximately five minutes, has given exactly one interview, and dropped the bomb that they are considering an IPO. I guarantee you that he did not have authorization to do that. That is, boy, there is somebody over at Canargy who is like throwing darts at oh, a picture Dale's of his face right now. Oh, probably like flip out at this moment. Oh, he has to be. Yeah, has to be absolutely livid. Oh man, like they if they just slash and burn that damn brand just out of spite. <laughs> yeah, because that is that is like for for such a throwaway line. That is huge piece huge. of news. Huge piece <laughs> of news. There are a very limit. I'm trying to think. I know Boston Beer Company is publicly traded. Well, that comes to the next article. That's the reason I had the next article. Um, how to invest in craft beer? Constellation Brands, Craft Brew Alliance, Boston Beer. That's pretty much it. And Constellation is, yeah, they're not craft, and they bear, they're pretty, they're pretty damn macro. Yeah, they're now Craft Brew Alliance. Even though they're part owned by ABI, I yeah. get where they're coming from on that. They yeah. just make terrible beer. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but Kona is trash. <laughs> I actually liked which one was it? The Porter. No, that's probably that's the Fire Rock, right? Yes, that's probably the best one they yeah. make. Uh, I've not been real impressed with anything else out of Kona. Red Hook, boy, I got good memories, and that's a brand I I have not wanted to ever have again. <laughs> Whitmer Brothers used to be good. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I'll just say the book. We're talking so much shit. The Goose Island, <laughs> the book about Goose Island goes into a lot of these breweries, and they talk about. Red Hook and, and Whitmer. CBA was yeah. kind of the the proof positive for all this. That, yeah. that was really one of the first big investments yeah. that AB well, that Anheuser Busch at the time made. Yeah, yeah, that was their that was their foray into craft beer, which and they talk about how that happens. And it's actually a pretty interesting story, but it, but it goes again just to digress again as we normally do. Yeah, it sounds like typical <laughs> between the pines episode. As if you read the book, they go into a lot of what. AB, is, they go into a lot of why I have a problem with Anheuser-Busch, InBev, and Miller Coors. Is they could be selling water bottles. They don't. The actual liquid in the glass is the last consideration for most of what they do. They don't care what the beer tastes like, just as long as people buy it. It has to be just basically their idea. It has to be just good enough for people to buy it. And here's the thing: yeah. from a business standpoint. <laughs> I see exactly where they're coming from. Yeah. We've talked, we've talked before in the past, and I've talked about it a little more at length on my blog, at least. That as much as we like to romanticize the beer itself, and the beer is important, and there yeah. are a small type subset of craft breweries for which the hype around their beer is what generates their success. But if we're really being realistic, the liquid in the glass is third, fourth, or fifth down the line on terms of most important things about running a successful brewery. Yes. And there are so many counter-arguments to be able to to you know refute anybody who says that's not the case. Now, consistent beer yeah. is vitally important. Yeah, and that's one thing AB 
God bless them. You drink the most consistent <laughs> brewery on the planet, <laughs> yes. bar none. Period. You're the the Bud Light you get that's made here in North Carolina is exactly like the one that's made in China. Yeah. Period. <laughs> Identical. The best yeah. brewers on the planet work for Bud, and they yeah. and that's not a bad thing. They need them to be able yeah. to to churn out something that light and that consistent. There's a reason people say that the true mark of a good brewer is making a fizzy yellow beer well because yeah. you can't hide anything. Yeah. Now imagine making water and <laughs> 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 trying to trying to make it that damn consistent. It really is incredible. Like I, I and then I know it sounds like we're kind of <laughs> slobbing all over ABI right now, but really I'm just trying to drive home the fact that that's in their mind. They're not worried about making good beer, and when they yeah. acquire some of these brands especially the ones they've had for a while and especially the ones that they're mostly using to gobble up, you know, uh, market share places like Applebee's, you know, th- those are the ones that the, the beer quality declines pretty quick. Yeah. And that's one thing I am actually, I kind of hope Canarchy is going to go public, which apparently they are. Because it Thanks, would. Reardon. <laughs> <laughs> because in, yeah, again, that's the thing is like, you don't, you, when you, gonna do an ipo you like roll that out that's you that's a strategy you that's basically like the d-day landing you plan that out yeah that is a <laughs> huge deal you need all your ducks in a row before you even mention it's on the table wow had technical issues there for a second that's all sorts of lovely <laughs> that was bizarre you might just cut out yeah in the hear, middle of a if word if you hear any ghosts in the machine on this i promise it's not our fault it's the fault of literally everybody but us <laughs> That's uh, how I prefer to distribute blame in my life. <laughs> so where were we? Uh, uh, we were we kind of slobbing and we head. were basically slapping around and patting AB on the back all at the same time. Which is, <laughs> that's a weird feeling. That feels like an abusive relationship. <laughs> what else you got for us, Ryan? Let's move away from this story. This story broke the freaking like, microphone. I don't think we can handle this anymore. Uh, that's all I have for this week. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, seriously. What do you have? I promise we try to make this professional, guys. <laughs> all right, so uh, Coronado Brewing is actually looking to sell off Monkey Parl Brewing. Uh, a lot of people might realize they recently purchased a, uh, recently purchased Monkey Paw. Uh, basically to save them from closing down. It's another local brewery in the San Diego craft beer scene. They were kind of up to their ears in debt, and we're going to need to kind of shutter. Unfortunately, they are being sued by the previous founder <laughs> for, for bag payment. Dude, this is just welcome to craft breweries don't know how to execute business with Aaron yeah. and Ryan. Yeah. yeah, I was reading the article, and like, he, he's going, yeah, and he's suing them. What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, they owe him about thirty, uh, thirty-five, or thirty-three. 30, yeah, thirty-three thousand dollars. <laughs> don't you correct me, Ryan? <laughs> they owe him about thirty-three thousand uh, dollars plus interest, basically in back pay, and he's suing them for that. And as a result, Coronado's basically decided to just divest themselves of the brand. They're looking to sell it off, which is nothing like trying to sell off a product that already has both a lawsuit <laughs> and unsecured debt attached to it. So we'll yeah. see who decides to sweep in on that. They might be forced to shutter the doors. If they wind up doing that, I don't know what the end goal is because they'll still have to take care of that promissory note. Yeah, they still got to pay him his thirty three grand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like this is the kind of thing that should have come out in, the, in Discovery when they were yeah. looking to buy the place. And it was basically a charity act from them. There was a definite yeah. following for Monkey Paw. And their real goal was, in stated goal, was to try and save a local craft brewery and give them the opportunity to survive and then basically provide them with the capital to do so. Boy, that, yeah. that ain't worked backfired out. Backfired. Yeah, backfired badly. enormously. And with Coronado already kind of kind of being a, a brewery in decline, unfortunately, yeah. just, you know, it's legacy breweries. We've talked ad nauseum about what's happening to some of these older breweries who have kind of lost a sense of relevance in the market. And that's kind of what they were saying. The article is like, yeah, we need to sell, we need to like divest ourselves with this mess because just trying to fix them is taking our is taking us away from, you know... Trying to keep ourselves afloat, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is an absolute shame. I mean, I, I like Coronado's beer quite a bit. I've never had yeah. anything from Monkey Paw, but if Coronado was willing to roll the dice on him in the first place, I, I would suspect they make pretty decent beer. Yeah. So it's always a sure. shame to yeah. see, but y'all, y'all, pay your damn bills. <laughs> <laughs> and do your damn diligence when you're looking <laughs> to buy something. How does this keep happening? Bas- basic oh, business decision-making. <laughs> Uh, stone Brewing. Okay, this, All right, one, this yeah, one's yeah, hilarious. Let's okay. go back to the yeah, Stone Brewing. Yeah, let's go back to Stone versus stone Miller Coors. 
This is hilarious to me. Stone Brewing is seeking an injunction against Miller Coors from selling any more Keystone until the lawsuit is resolved. <laughs> this is the stupidest fucking lawsuit on the planet. I really don't. I don't know what else to say at this point. Uh, there is plenty of damn evidence to at least for Miller Coors to keep this tied up in court forever. And to raise the doubt enough to where it's going to be real, real hard to get any judge to accept it. Honestly, I don't understand what Stone, what what is Stone getting out of this? I don't know, because (laughs) when they first rolled it out, I was in full defense of it. I was like, listen, they got a a trademark and you have to defend your trademarks or you can't defend their trademarks. The issue is (laughs) Miller Coors has a very good case and their countersuit is absolutely frivolous and everybody knows it. But the very fact they're ballsy enough to file it means that they're basically telling Stone, listen, guys, we're happy to keep throwing money at this until we die. And that's what's going to happen. So if Jim Cook, please, if you're listening to the Between the Pines podcast, please, God, end this fucking lawsuit and get back to making incredible beer. Because this is making the entire industry look stupid. It, it's it's comical. Yeah. They're not going to get this injunction. No, Keystone's still going to be sitting on the shelves. It's, I mean, it, basically what this is is just billable hours for everybody's lawyers. They're loving the hell out of this. I love the line in the article. Stone added that it's willing to allow Miller Coors 30 days to sell through its existing inventory. <laughs> so kind of them. So, so, so generous of them. Dude, what what are college kids gonna drink if Keystone Light leaves the shelves? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, sure. They'll move to Natty Light. Yeah, Natty. God, Natty Light. <laughs> uh, speaking of Stone Brewing, uh, <laughs> because they can't keep their name out of the news. Although this one's a little more positive, they wound up uh, canceling their connection with NoFX, the band. Uh, on a recent tour, I, I think it was the lead guitarist of NoFX wound yeah. up making some dumbass comments yeah. about the Las Vegas shooting. I'm not going to repeat them here. You know, that doesn't warrant repeating. But needless to say, they were insensitive at best and uh, tasteless at worst. So Stone went ahead. They had been doing a collaboration beer yeah. with them. Fucking trouble. that partnership. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's nice to see, you know, at least they're, they're taking some pretty quick action on that. And, you know, it, it, NoFX wasn't even making any money off of this. This was more just a an issue of optics an issue yeah. of just not wanting to associate with people who are going to be making asses out of themselves <laughs> and let's be real here i mean no effects is a punk band <laughs> great punk band historically <laughs> but man like they haven't exactly been relevant in 30 yeah. years i don't think you're losing a whole lot i saw them open for fishbone in 1995 in raleigh i was eight at the time Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you feel old yet buddy <laughs> oh, yeah. oh that was a great concert by the way Oh, I, I believe that it is. Man. I've heard great things about the shows. Uh, uh, speaking of other large crap breweries, Boston Beer Company fined nearly a million dollars for selling unregistered products in New York. Okay, so I I have helped run breweries in the past, and one of the first things you have to do for any packaged product is make sure that you get label approval for each state that for you're going to sell in. Each state that you're going to sell in. This this is so basic and when a 3500 barrel brew house is knowledgeable enough to realize that the abc will be you know up their ass about it or the ttb rather will be up their ass about it you like do you did you really not think about the fact that (laughs) you might just maybe just maybe need to actually do the due diligence and what blows my mind even worse is the fact that boston beer has has been it's not like this is a new market they've been doing business in new york for 30 years now it's absolutely preposterous to me uh that they were able to just let that much go they had and the worst part is they had one skew they actually filed for label approval can i say it please please do (laughs) twisted tea summer blueberry you should be ashamed (laughs) of yourself boston beer company the one thing you remembered to file twisted (laughs) tea summer blue you go home Boston Beer Company, you're drunk. Yeah, apparently. I just... <laughs> Dude, I... <laughs> you're just like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I am running out of things to say. I, <laughs> like, some of the, these stories today have just gotten so positively ridiculous. I, I just, I can't even wrap my head around the fact that this is still happening. Oh, oh man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so aside from that, uh, 
recent article by Craft Brewing Business, uh, which is one of my favorite websites, just looking at the actual yeah. dollars and cents and the behind the scenes of how the business side of the uh, beer industry works. They released some of their craft beer branding trends, uh, just kind of doing a, a state of the union, as they call it, for beer packaging trends across the industry and releasing some of the things that they've seen, some of the things they've noticed, and some of the purposes behind them. Uh, a couple of the real notable ones is using color for skew differentiation. So this is using like a standard type of can, a standard type of bottle, but having the predominant colors on it change based on what style it is and be fairly consistent the whole way across. For example, you know, green for IPAs, brown for porters, and just using that as an opportunity to kind of communicate to people what's going to be in the can before they even get a chance to read the label. And one of the examples they used is our own new serum. Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was really good. I've been saying for quite a while that I think New Serum's packaging is is really well done. Yeah, uh, you know, they're. I'd like to see them get a little better distribution and you know see see their name out there a little more. But their actual packaging has been fantastic pretty much yeah. from day one. Uh, the other one that and I hate this is <laughs> uh, they're talking di- dense and thickly illustrated packaging. So think burial brewing if you're in the yeah. uh, you know the North Carolina area. Here, here's the problem with that. Are so true if you're in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things that are just so packed with, you know... Beautifully ornate drawings. They're stunning. <laughs> they're absolutely beautiful, and they stand out. They're gorgeous. But here's the problem. You can't tell what beer it is just from a <laughs> glance. I, I, dude, I, our bar to our main cooler is maybe 10 feet, and I can't tell what any of the freaking burial beers that we have are just at a glance because they are all stunning artwork you got to be about six inches from to tell what the hell they are. <laughs> yeah. And when you're a hot brewery and you're hyped up and you're moving quickly and people are just looking for anything from you, that's not the problem. But the moment that you're trying to compete for, you know, top of mind, you're trying to compete for attention on that shelf, uh, that can be a real problem for you. Yeah. And I, I think this is a – I think some of these breweries are getting a little ahead of themselves and they're – you know, I don't know, punching up a little bit. And they, they <laughs> I think that's one that, that if the industry slows down, especially if individual breweries slow down, that's going to wind up biting them a bit. Yeah. And looking at the bright white, I'm like, well, why didn't you, the nice, bright, white, simple designs. I'm like, these are the one, the examples they use are all nice, but why didn't you use like the classic one of main beer company? Which is kind of, yeah, that is <laughs> That's that the is first true. one that you've ever noticed that looked like that. Yeah, so the next one is basically just <laughs> using plain white and using negative space at, yeah. in the in the marketing. And, yeah, like I, Main Beer Company has been doing that for, for ages now. Yeah. And it's literally, it's a white label says Main Beer Company has a name and plain lettering on it. Yeah, that's uh, it. Their, their Mo they recently released has, like, a little red and blue Yeah, they put little red it. and blue dots. And, and, and I'll be damned if I didn't look at that. I was like, man, that's pretty colorful for Maine. <laughs> But it is a good look. I mean, the, yeah. the general idea in marketing, and and you see see us screwed up a lot of times in craft beer, but you know, in in you know marketing in general, uh, simpler is generally better. And yeah. if you can't render a logo in only two colors, it's usually not a good logo. Uh, it's not going to stick in the human psyche as well. It's not going to stand out as well. And the brain tends to notice simplicity before it notices complexity. So. Yeah. Uh, it, it's less busy and it, it lasts with you longer. So just using sparse white cans, maybe with a splash of that color that we were talking about before. Again, New Serum yeah. is a perfect example. Uh, there's something to be said for that. Uh, yeah. Catawba yeah. Brewing right here in North Carolina, and you can find them in a handful of states beyond the Carolinas, but I, I think their packaging is absolutely spectacular. It tends to be contrast between just two colors, one yeah. of which kind of indicates the style. The other one's white. Uh, the logos are all pretty recognizable. And, and as a result, they fly off the freaking shelves in the grocery stores. Yeah. It's funny how you talk about beer may not be the most important part of a brewery's success, and you mentioned Catawba. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> uh, another one they're seeing is actual photographs on cans. I hate that for the exactly <laughs> same reason that I hate the over-busy ones. You, you're putting a full photo on there, and it's it's hard to get at a glance. I, I'm just not a fan. Uh, leave that for single varietal ciders and wine. <laughs> I, I just hate it. Uh, murdered out. Uh, so basically, the opposite of the all white cans is going all black. All black. Now that's yeah. that's equally effective. It, it yeah. looks fantastic. It's stark. It's simple. It's recognizable, and it allows you to use that negative space for contrast. I, I think those are great too. Yeah, those look really good. Yeah, and the last big one uh, has been throwbacks. Uh, so like 
big throwback marketing. You see a lot of this, especially on like the crap loggers that are being made right now. They're kind of hearkening back to yesterday's era, doing some of that nostalgia marketing. I've seen some people telling some cautionary tales about you know the spread of this in craft beer. I think they're kind of missing the point. I, I think nostalgia is going to be a massively powerful force uh, one way or the other. Yeah. There's a reason that Reinheitsgebot is still a thing. It, it's cultural nostalgia. I'm, I'm not I'm, – I'm not – don't give me that look, Ryan. I'm not winding up about it. You know my feelings on the subject. But <laughs> – <laughs> but nostalgia marketing is is going to work every, almost every time. And when you can create that feeling, I mean, they have Sycamore is one of the examples yeah. that they gave right here in Charlotte. Uh, I called them out for being the best rebrand maybe in North Carolina yeah. when they switched their cans up. It looks fantastic. It tends to be relatively clean, and it harkens back to a simpler time. So for a lot of people, that really speaks to them. Well, yeah. you know, whether or not the time really was simpler, it, it speaks to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, whenever people talk about yeah, back in the good old days, like the good old days just depends on your perspective. Yeah, that wasn't even good for most of the people who think it was the good old yeah. day. There, there was like four people back in 1950 for whom things were better. <laughs> Don Draper and <laughs> and dude, oh man, if you watch that actual show, things weren't even that good for him. Good oh Lord. no, oh no. Yeah. Uh, also, recent uh, release. Uh, this time by the IWSR, uh, U.S. Be- Beverage and Alcohol Review. Uh, essentially, it's a, a group that covers kind of the beverage industry worldwide, but also uh, looks more specifically at American trends and changes both in volume as well as kind of dollar amounts, uh, total suppliers, etc. cetera. Uh, beer is down by a, uh, by a percentage, uh, yep. a percentage point, which is all sorts of fun. Uh, about 1.1% actually, and this is in contrast to wine, which rose about a percentage point in terms of total volume. Uh, cider's down about 5%. That uh, kind of shocked me a little bit, actually. It's actually been kind of an ongoing... It, cider's been in a weird sort of every two years it goes up, and then every two years it goes <laughs> back down. So it's not seeing the kind of uh, across the across the market growth that you're seeing in beer. And I think that should serve as a bit of a example to the sometimes uh, myopic beer industry that you know five percent growth that everybody was decrying as the death of craft beer (laughs) is actually pretty fucking good guys (laughs) yeah yeah uh, it's every time i hear people start spiraling out of that i'm like i can tell that your business experience doesn't extend beyond craft beer it's a it's an industry that has really seen kind of unrealistic uh, expectations i was recently reading an article on forbes where they were talking about as being one of the biggest indicators of the new economy and one of the biggest success stories of the last yeah. 30 years as far as any industry is yeah, concerned. exactly. It's that in the tech sector. That's really two of the yeah. only things that have seen major and consistent growth. And when you're being compared to Silicon Valley as an industry, that's a pretty good sign, all things yeah. considered. And looking at this list, spirits altogether went up 2%. Spirits are doing great. Yeah. Tequila, great. tequila went up almost 8%. Jesus. Uh, well, white girls still need to get drunk. That's it. <laughs> Brandy went up five point three percent, which I'm hyped about. But that that <laughs> one that was the one that surprised me like, the most. I don't know yeah. anybody who drinks brandy <laughs> other than me. So uh, that really surprised me. And vodka basically up one point four percent, which is basically flat for vodka. Yeah, which there's is, yeah. still kids in college. That's, hey, well, I love vodka. I, yeah, I actually yeah. drink straight vodka. I have a I drink Covington out here out of North Carolina. It's a sweet potato vodka. That it's actually very sounds good. like it'd be delicious. It's like, very good. A well-made vodka should be easy to drink. If yeah. you're getting too much harsh, harshness on it, it's it's. If you're not... basically drinking moonshine, you've just not made vodka. Hey, made. hey, hey, don't hate on white lightning. It's great. It'll make you blind, but it's great. <laughs> oh, that was the first alcohol I ever had was moonshine. Was it really? So, yeah. you, you poor son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm from Shelby, remember? Oh, that, that is true. Yeah. So what, they give it to you in utero? <laughs> Well, your, your first bottle wasn't filled with milk. It was filled with uh, freaking moonshine. Oh, no, my father used to go to the barbershop. And you couldn't see it, guys, but he used air quotes <laughs> on that. It was actually a barbershop. I don't know how much haircutting actually went on in the bar- this particular barbershop, but he would talk to the guy. He would go around the back, come back with some clear milk jugs full of clear liquid. <laughs> <laughs> what could that possibly be? Uh, uh, just some medicine. Yeah, 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 I bet it was. It'll, the cure for all of your ills. Oh, man, that's funny. Oh, me. 
All right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, basic trends. uh, uh, Beer as a total category to continue to decline. Crap beer, however, is doing really well, which kind of accentuates the fact that crap beer is not the same category as big beer, which it's why when, you know, Pete Coors or the guys over at ABI keep talking about, you know, it's us versus wine and spirits. That's them trying to pull one over on people who might not understand that specialty markets don't compete with, uh, you know, uh, like items. They compete within their niche. Mm, Yeah. So uh, special, like, craft spirits and craft wine actually have a lot more in common and tend to work more cooperatively with craft beer than craft beer with macro beer. And that's not a surprise. This is pretty similar in just about any, any industry. If you have specialty soap, you're not competing with body wash. You're competing with Irish Spring. I don't know where I wound up pulling that fucking analogy out. But listen, it works. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, like just talking about the vodka I drink. Yeah, I'm a craft beer drinker, and instead of drinking, I don't know, Smirnoffs, I drink Covington. You are pretty far separated from college if it took you that long to think of a cheap vodka. I was trying to go. Well, Burnett's, to baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, that's, there, nothing that's good a, happens with Burnett's. <laughs> that has never been the, the start of any story that ended, so I had such a great time last night. <laughs> oh, oh, man. In other, in other news, man, we have really been just. <laughs> circling the drain today uh, a few new uh trademark lawsuits in light of uh keystone uh the keystone lawsuit between stone and miller cores have been popping up uh stony creek brewing out of uh connecticut fantastic brew. i don't know if you've ever had anything uh from them ryan they no. don't distribute down this far they don't really distribute outside of uh, the northeast fairly young brewery about three years old really really good stuff uh they're suing shipyard brewing saying that their peak organic ripe double IPA is too uh, close and confusingly similar to the ripe and cranky line of orange IPAs and of various other fruited IPAs that Stony Creek has been doing. I think they have a decent cake, uh, case yeah. on this. They're based in the same geographic zone, have the same distribution channels. So, you know, you're talking a double IPA with a citrusy flavor and a line of IPAs, most of which have citrusy flavors, and you got one that's ripe and one that's ripe and cranky. I can definitely see them having <laughs> yeah. a pretty solid case there. And uh, honestly, Shipyard, one little Google search. You know, <laughs> like one Google search. Why Why do more crap breweries not do a damn untapped search before they release beers? <laughs> We've seen this happen so often. Like, it, yeah, this show I, has made me angry. <laughs> I'm getting angry at local craft breweries. Like, these are simple shit, y'all. Childish and churlish. (laughs) Uh, Oh, me. We are are just, like, out here today. (laughs) I I think we both even got a decent amount of sleep last night. This is just just us. This is us raw, guys. (laughs) Uh, Major League Baseball's Oakland Athletics. They're uh, basically filing a trademark challenge against... (laughs) Another Connecticut beer company, this time Athletic Bre- uh, Athletic Brewing Company. They're out of Stratford. I don't know anything about Athletic. I, I can see the Oakland A's argument, but yeah, but it's kind of they're on opposite sides of yeah. the country. They're not going to be distributing in California. It's a baseball team and a brewing company, and <laughs> there are so many other companies that use Athletic in their name. I, I think they're really going to have a hard time pressing their trademark on this one. That sounds. This sounds more like a lawyer was like, "I need to get my billable hours up this month, so <laughs> let me find hey, something to do." Hey, look, guys, I saw this thing. You might be angry about. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. What's what's the worst that could happen? All right, well, that about wraps it up for Brew News, guys. Uh, how about some recommendations, Ryan? What do you got for us today, beer-wise? Today, my recommendation is the Arizona Wilderness Vortex. It was one of the beers that I had at the um, State of Origin, and it is... Let me see if I can call it up right quick. Arizona. It's, well, it's like all, all this time laughing, you, didn't, you weren't prepared for the recommendations portion. Uh, yeah, uh, and like all their beers, it's uh, basically it's a foraged, found, b- found ingredient beer, and it is a sati. That's what was. That's what I couldn't remember. It's like it's not 
just a regular beer as a sati. Which, for those of you yeah. who aren't necessarily aware of that style, because it really is one of the rarest styles in the world, I, I think I can think of four, counting that one, examples commercially I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. A sati is a Finnish style of a beer that it's never actually brewed or pasteurized. Uh, and traditionally, it's filtered over a bed of juniper, uh, juniper uh, twigs, basically. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, you're getting this nice kind of piney, junipery flavor, as well as typically a light sourness to it. Yeah. Uh, hints of banana as well, I say in my acetate. So it, it's a complex, beautiful beer when done right, but and boy, is it hard to pull off. And since Arizona, Arizona Wilderness, they used found black walnuts and walnut bark, which gives it kind of a... Actually sounds delicious. It gives it kind of a uh, licorice taste. That's what, because that's what confused me about it when I tasted it, is like, it's, it's supposed to be a sati. It's not supposed to have this taste. And I was like, this is very good. I will drink I will be back for more of this. Of these. And, <laughs> and dude, I love beers that use forged ingredients and walnut. Like I'm just, I'm gonna make a comment that I know is gonna come back to bite me. I like nuts in my beer. <laughs> no, but I, I, it's amazing how many of them work well, and it's a rare thing to see. But I've had a few pecan beers and walnut beers, and, and yeah. you know, other than peanut butter, which we <laughs> we've talked off the air about my feelings on that devil substance. Please send your <laughs> Hate mail to amjgore at gmail.com. Uh, but no, I, I do think that, that you know, various nuts, they do work really, really well in beer. And I'd like to see especially those kind of ones that complement sweeter flavors more be used, like the walnuts, like pecans. Yeah. And it's in, they had this one, then they had the Sangio, which is a, a sour aged in the Sangiovese barrels. <laughs> Which was which? What is Sangiovese? It is an Italian red wine. I don't know anything about wine. <laughs> I'm so bad. Like I'm embarrassingly bad with wine. I, I can and tell you're the you one going for your psalm eventually. Eventually, I'll get there. <laughs> I'll get, shut up, Ryan. Sorry, <laughs> decide. I, I might make up a sake one ahead of time just so I got something else to go for that <laughs> keeps me from having to go for my psalm anytime soon. Yeah, I'll be starting from ground zero on that, man. Oh. Like, seriously. <laughs> what are grapes? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, and honestly, Arizona Wilderness is one of our favorite. It's one of my favorite breweries just because, partly because they do the foraging thing, but also partly just what they do with what they find is always amazing. And it's amazing how many of these fantastic like American ingredients are just out there and people just need to realize that they're there to be utilized. Yeah. Jerusalem artichokes are incredibly common basically throughout the whole U S they're delicious to eat. They're yeah. incredibly easy to grow. Uh, and you can even use them in making beer or even like a vodka, like uh, distilled beverage and no one uses them. There's only one store I even know of in, you know, Charlotte, the city we live in, where you can buy them. That's one of my favorite freaking vegetables. Yeah. Which I have managed to con a local brewery into making a sun, uh, Jerusalem artichoke beer. So keep an eye out for that. Yep. And let's see. My cider recommendation. You're not going to give me an opportunity to do my beer? That hurts. Okay. That cuts Go deep. Ahead. That's, I get it. You brought <laughs> two beers. I get no beers. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to reveal a little secret about myself. Uh, up until this last week, I had never had a single beer by Russian River. I mm. I had somehow managed to have nothing from them. I have friends who go out to California. For whatever reason, they were never able to bring me something back, probably because they hate me. Uh, <laughs> I have family on the West Coast. Same case. I'm pretty sure I'm disowning them. <laughs> but, I, but I finally this week had a couple of my regulars at, at work. Uh, Brian and Susan, you guys are awesome. Uh, brought Pliny the Elder, which was fantastic, and, and that one's been spoken of ad nauseum, but the one that really absolutely blew my mind was I finally got a chance to have Supplication, hmm. which for anybody who hasn't had that, it's a, a uh, sour brown, not quite an old brewing, you're not going to get any real acetic off of it, but a sour brown ale aged in Pinot Noir barrels with sour cherries. Yeah. Good lord. This thing is just absolutely beautifully balanced. It's got the color of like an a amber wine. Um, so you just got this nice, slightly brownish, slightly orangish tint to it. Uh, the actual flavor that comes through, the cherries are not over pronounced. They're there. You're getting a little hint of that kind of tartness, that stone fruit character. But the actual beer itself is just wonderfully, it, it's got hints of dryness, almost drinks more like a Belgian Lambic than it does kind of a traditional American wild because those mm. can 
kind of strip the enamel off your teeth. This was a lot more of a, a nice, fine dinner time food pairing sipper, and it was yeah. absolutely spectacular. Well, I mean, technically, a wild ale should is not sour. Shouldn't be sour. It depends on how much lacto and petio yeah. actually get in there. They usually get out competed, but if you get the, it depending on the mix you get, and you'd be amazed how many wild ales get inoculated either way just yeah. to kind of get it going. Yeah, at some point, we have to do a sour show where we break down that. First of all, there's no such style as sour. And we are still, as an industry, catching up to that idea and starting to label some of the, the kind of typical yeah. makeup there. And there's so many souring organisms, and there's so much depth you can get out of them. That's one of the things that we've started. When people, you know, people will come in, yeah, what sours do you have? That's a bro. What are you looking for? And, and for, for the record, guys, Brett isn't sour. No, it's not. It Brett is funky is, and dry. I, I'm, I'm holding my <laughs> microphone like I'm choking somebody. <laughs> Brett is not sour. It's often in sour beers, but stop using those two things as synonyms. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that's going off on an entirely different tangent. We'll save that for the episode. We'll, save, sure that, we'll save that in the Rhinish Kaboot for different episodes. That's... <laughs> I'm going to make so many enemies on that honestly, episode. Honestly, that episode, I'm just going to like... Let me go for like two back. hours. Dude, I could easily, <laughs> easily... Go. I, the amount of study I have done on that subject, I can say with moderate confidence, I might know more on the subject than anybody else in Charlotte, and it just makes me even more frustrated the more I read. Uh, uh, and the worst part is, I love a lot of the like the beers that are made in accordance to it. We have two breweries in this state that are like stick in accordance to Rand High School, and they make fantastic beer. Yeah, but it's not. It's one of those the. I'm not the story. You know, you know what? We're canceling this. There's no way where this is going to go down. It's just a the happy story trip. around the the story around the Reinhardt has taken over the actual facts of what it actually it, what it, why it actually came into existence. For the sake of my friendship with certain people in the city, <laughs> I'm going to move on to a different subject. What cider did you bring along with you there, Ryan? Or, the uh, at least a Shakespeare, the Shakespeare curate. curate? I'm, I'm proud of you, by the way, curate. for actually. Yeah bringing a cider recommendation this is what three shows yeah three shows since you'll remember to actually write one yeah. down and it's the this is a from shaksbury out of vermont and they don't do your kind of normal or what people think of as cider as the sweet ciders they do more dry european styles and the Curate. And they're also one of the biggest cideries in the U.S., yeah. <laughs> which makes it even more impressive because yeah. they, they consistently turn out really yeah. good cider. Yeah, this is a Basque-style cider that is made with wild yeast. I love wild ciders. If, if none of you have had a wild fermented cider, it's as much as I love wild fermented <laughs> beer and as much complexity as you can get out of wild fermented beer, it, it, wild ciders are able to just get such funk to them and it complements so beautifully well that it's really hard to even describe how incredible yeah they're they're so complex i love them love them this is the first one this is the first wild cider i'd ever had and as i was drink as i was drinking it the first time i remember thinking this is okay by itself but i bet you put this with food this will be pork 10 times better Pork, yeah. pork, pork. You put that with well-made, especially like uh, any well-made like Spanish ham or something, Serrano mm. ham, it is absolutely incredible. I love wild ciders. I've been saying for a while, I really wish that they would start to take off a little more stateside. With sour beer taking off, I mean, especially if there tends to be a pretty strong Brett quality to them. They yeah. do tend to be sour, but a lot of those kind of farm like barnyard uh, farmhouse kind of, and this is notes. much more barnyardy, farmhousey, yeah. and dry. They tend to be very sour, pronounced. Yeah. Uh, I really think there would be a market for them. It's just a matter again of that culture war of trying to convince people that cider can be something other than Angry Orchard. <laughs> and if you like, especially Brett beers, but any sort of funkier beer, definitely see if you can get your hands on anything, especially from the Basque region. That's the the most reliable place to find them. A lot of importers do carry them, so if you go to a fine wine shop, they're actually yeah. you know pretty easy to get a hold of if you just look. Yeah. Alright, what is your hard cider my, recommendation for the day? My, mine's way less fun. Uh, <laughs> it is damn good, though. Uh, it is very good. Yeah, so uh, Blake's Hard Cider, I don't know if uh, you've had much from them, yes, Brian. Yeah, yeah, they they have really kind of exploded recently and yeah. started spreading across the U.S. A damn good thing, too. Almost everything they make is really good. The El Chavo from them is a mango and habanero cider. It, 
it's you know it's got hints of sweetness yeah but okay let me let, i don't know if i've mentioned on the show before i hate mango and beer mango is my <laughs> favorite fruit i love mango but in beer it can it reads as fusel a lot of times it yeah can really accentuate booziness and even kind of ate booziness even if you know there's not much actually in there uh, in this, it just it blends with the apple so well. It just comes through as nice and mellow and tropical. Uh, the habanero has a light smokiness to it. It's one of my absolute favorite peppers for use in beer or in cider, uh, especially with apples. A lot of people don't realize that apples can, especially in a well-made cider, will have light phenolic compounds. So you get a little of that smokiness, a little of that spiciness anyways. A little habanero to pull that out. You know, And anybody who's ever had, you know, mango with black pepper on it knows just how well a little smokiness pairs with that anyways yeah things fantastic if you're looking for just a general summer sipper that's got a little more going on and is really going to keep your palate entertained i would definitely recommend looking it up it's pretty easy to find yeah 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 All they right. yeah like the last year they've really exploded here in north carolina so yeah yeah it's they're one of the large out of nowhere kind of growing to be national brands that even a lot of the smaller craft cideries pretty well respect yeah and they have a yeah, actual cidery themselves so they grow a lot of their own apples which is yeah. nice to see uh how about non-beer recommendation my friend i'm gonna recommend another podcast the you cheating <laughs> son of a bitch this is a limited run soccer podcast called american fiasco now if you're more if you're a if you're a soccer fan you know that the united states managed to fuck up and not make the world cup this year they managed to do everything wrong for four years to end up not making the World Cup across two coaches and many, many players, and not bitter. But in 1998, the United States was coming off of, you know, they had finally qualified. They'd finally qualified for a World Cup for the first time in 40 years in 1990. Then we hosted the World Cup in 94, and then we requalified for the World Cup in 98, and everything seemed good, but. What happened once the United States got into qualification and then got qualified was just, you know, often we talk about how Green Flash is the epitome of making the wrong decision, at being faced with the choice of two decisions and consistently choosing the wrong one every time. The, yeah, we might have mentioned <laughs> that a few times. The run-up to American Fiasco, especially the decisions the coach Steve Sampson made, are pretty much the soccer equivalent to that. <laughs> if you got two choices, make the wrong one. That's been my policy yeah. for years. I'm glad I mean, I'm not alone. Well, I think the first wrong choice was making Steve Sampson the head coach after the previous coach, Bora Militinovic, retired or went to find another team to coach. Steve Sampson had never coached above, had never coached at a level above college. He had not. He had only been an he had only been an assistant for the U.S. men's national team for less than two years, and then he was given the head coach's job of coaching a bunch of professional soccer players who had been playing together on the U.S. men's national team for about four years, and then he started making just in order to save his job through qualification, he started doing what business owners often do when they can see things are going out of control he started flailing around do and coke <laughs> luckily no <laughs> he was not an argentinian coach there speaking of which there was a cameo of diego maradona in this podcast since you mentioned coke that just automatically thought about maradona I, I love the fact that i managed to get that going down a rabbit hole Keep in mind, I know nothing about, you know, World Cup or any of this. <laughs> but yeah, And yet I'm unsurprised. Yeah. But I will say, like, this is one of those things you don't need to know anything about soccer to listen to this. It's, it's kind of like you don't need to know anything about business to, like, read the green, I mean, beer, to read the green flash business stuff and go, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking at any point doing this. Yeah, just even <laughs> if you don't know the source material... Common sense yes. <laughs> would still, you would assume, apply. Like my favorite part about this is he named John Harks his captain for life, and in soccer, being the team captain is that's like a huge role, a huge responsibility. He named John Harks captain for life. 
two months later he cut him from the U.S. men's national team, so he didn't get to go to the World Did Cup. Did he kill him? I feel like <laughs> I feel like he needs to kill him. If you name him captain for life and you're going to cut the guy, it, you kind of owe it to him to kill him. <laughs> he had to. In the I will say the reason. Where's he Wallace had, String? <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, where are you in season three? Uh, I finished season three. Okay. We spoiler alert for the wire coming <laughs> up. So please turn this off. And I'm specifically talking to my wife. I got so much trouble because I spoiled something <laughs> on this show for. <laughs> but dude, fucking Stringer Bell. That's when you said when you said that son of a bitch, dude. <laughs> when you sent me the text about man, Stringer Bell is an awesome character. I was like, I can't you say. I'm not gonna say. Anything. That's why you didn't reply. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not gonna. I was say like, he never anything. passes up an opportunity to talk to wire shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so yeah, it, you're gonna find out what happens to String I'm at the end of this. Season. So mad, man. Idris Elba's a goddamn national treasure. He's not even from our nation. <laughs> Love that man. Oh, oh. <laughs> what were we talking about again? Oh yeah. I, oh, we were talking yeah, about fiasco. Yeah. Yeah. Go listen to American Fiasco. It's pretty. It's awesome. Even if you this don't know anything about soccer. This is the end of the spoilers, guys. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know anything about soccer, go listen to American Fiasco. It'll. It's entertaining. Yeah, I'll say. Just. It definitely sounds like it. I love a good. You know, everything goes to shit story. Yeah. Well, uh, the guy who I does call it, it a typical weekend. <laughs> the guy who does it, he like he's like he does a lot of stuff in sports but he's like you know he's british is the first thing he's like americans you all love the story where you know the happy ending the team wins the underdog is successful <coughs> i'm british i like you know i like studying failure because that's just more inter- <laughs> there's just something more poetic about just abject failure for him <laughs> and but i will say the reason that john hawks was cut is one of those he violated the bro code. I'm just going to say it that way. <laughs> with one of his, well, he violated the bro code with one of his teammates. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of why he got cut. That'll definitely do it. And I haven't gotten to the part where they say where they discuss why he got cut yet. So I'm going to be interested to see if they go into the whole even so story. I, I bet he knew what the score was at the end of the game. <laughs> J.R. Smith. <laughs> oh, oh, but did you see Swaggy P getting off the plane? When, no. Oh no! Like Golden State gets off the plane. There's Steph. And there's KD, and they're all they're wearing their warm up suits, and they're looking yeah, yeah. like you know, as like professionals. Do. Yeah. Swaggy P comes off the plane, no shirt, champagne bottle, uh, no shirt, champagne bottle, spraying champagne everywhere. Of course he was. <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. Stay Swaggy P. Stay Swaggy P. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so my, my he had, Well, somebody had to replace J.R. Smith in the knucklehead category oh, for don't, a winning team. It's the, it's the modern NBA. There will always be a candidate. Someone will step up. It's good Lord. <laughs> so my, my other recommendation is going to be uh, not reporting on both Boston Beer Company and Stone at the same time because I sent a message to Jim Cook earlier in this podcast and realized I meant Greg Cook. Uh, so, Jim, if you're very, very confused right now, instead of dropping the lawsuit against Stone, instead, uh, remember to do your label approvals for New York and also send me some Utopias because my dumb ass is, uh, yeah, firing from the hip. <laughs> Aside from that, I'd like to recommend uh, State of Decay 2. Uh, if anybody out there is a gamer, you probably heard about this game. Basic gist of it, it's a zombie survival game. You get a small group of survivors, you post up in a house or a warehouse or something along those lines and you got resources you have to keep track of and it's one of the first games i've really seen you know along with its uh, prequel the, the original state of decay to really give you that feel of even stepping out of your door everything's trying to kill you <laughs> I, I mean it really it really is like like the world is hostile you can't go anywhere without having this sense of I, I, this could be the last trip for these characters and once a character dies they're dead for good and your community can go on and you only really lose if the whole community gets wiped out but uh, that sense of very real death and they'll even come back as zombies if they're killed which is real trippy to now have to be taking care of your uh, you know like for, former player character or former friend or you know like one, one of the members of your community because <laughs> they've turned it, it really does add an element uh, that a lot of games don't really have. There's even what they call the blood plague, which you know, if you get attacked by you know certain kind of special zombies too many times, your characters can contract this, and it's basically a, a plague that'll wind up killing them and turn them into another that type of zombie. You have the option to euthanize the character. 
Like, like, like this is a cold-hearted game. Like, it really does make you feel like you're living in the zombie apocalypse. So, it's a lot of fun. Uh, on release, it had an enormous amount of bugs, uh, which kind of crippled a lot of people's enjoyment of it. And it's kind of lacking the the rough story that the original had. As a whole, though, it was extremely well done. They've released some patches since to, to help, you know, get it back to where it should have been on release. I would definitely recommend anybody giving it a try. A lot of fun. Cool. A lot of fun. Yeah. All right, guys, that's about all we had for you today. As always, thank you for checking us out. Ryan, where can they find you online? You can find me at thebeercounselor.net and at craftconsulting.beer. Craftconsulting.beer. Looking forward to seeing that uh, get going a little further. Yeah. Uh, as for myself, you can find me at liquidassets.blog. Please, guys, check it out. I, I need your readership. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at LiquidAssetsAG, and you can find the show at Between the Pints. So please, guys, follow us along. You can also find us on Facebook or anywhere that you, uh, basically any social media platform you use with the regular. We'll have some poorly used and poorly attended account on there. So, yeah, keep up, guys. Uh, one way or the other, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.